Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast, your daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Saturday, June 8th, and I am your host, Max Rothman. And, you know, this this is a special podcast considering we very rarely do a mini break on a Saturday. Um, you know, this is obviously special because the French Open is here. I am, for the first time, almost ever on the East Coast time zone, so it makes it possible for Alex and I to record on this lovely Friday uh, afternoon, evening. It is, you know, about 5.30 Eastern Standard Time, or excuse me, 6.30 Eastern Standard Time, so approaching nighttime. Uh, but as I said, I will be doing this podcast with my former doubles partner, co-host, and partner in crime, Alexander Scott Groskin. Welcome back, baby. Former doubles partner? What does that mean? <laughs> I did that just to see where, what you would say. <laughs> Well, unlike you, I listen during your intros because they're much more appropriately timed. Um, but yes, as always, we love having you on the East Coast. And it's Grand Slam time, of course, when you got to do a weekend podcast. Of course. And and when you have, you know, one of the most legendary matchups of all time, as well as some good controversy on the other end of the men's semifinals, as well as just some, you know, electric matches on the women's side, we, we both said we had to record. So that is why we are here today. And I will also, I'm sure our listeners can tell my audio is a little bit different. I mistakenly did not bring my recording equipment. Rothman brought his to New York. The least I could have done was brought mine to work. So I do apologize for that. Yeah, even after after we had already talked about recording, I mean, we had this whole plan. I I feel honestly a little disrespected, but um, you you know, I love you too much to not, you know, not still do it. Much like the French Open, I expected there to be some sort of storm uh, coming at work this <laughs> evening, and it didn't, and so uh, I was not properly prepared. Yeah, as always, I think I feel like I do this once every podcast with you because your jokes sometimes are so cheesy, but uh, Westoff, <laughs> hit us with a brunch. So look, it, you know th- this podcast, it, we're going to talk about the, the men's semifinals, the women's semifinals. I, I know there's you know the, the Djokovic team match. Uh, as yet to finish, and then we're gonna, uh, after discussing those, just preview the finals. But I think we we got to start with you know the the most iconic matchup of all time, Federer Nadal. Grass, can you cool with that? Yeah, of course. You're the host. Let's do it. So, yeah, you know, this is a match that I think most people would have liked to see you know go maybe a little bit longer. Um, still really fun tennis and, and a match that Nadal wins six three six four six two. And I did decide to wake up this morning, decide to. I was excited. I was ecstatic to wake up and and watch this match this morning. You know, the tennis was great. I, I it's the scoreline really doesn't reflect how close it was. Um, I think the thing that surprised me most was just how many breaks back and forth happened between these guys. I mean, it looked like Feder had an opportunity to, you know, break and then didn't and and then they they tra- they traded breaks at the beginning of the second set I thought you know Federer might have found a little bit of, of a groove and then Nadal of course does what Nadal does and comes back um but you know it's funny that I say that cuz Federer only did have four break points to Nadal's 16 uh which is just crazy to have 16 break points against Federer and uh, and of course there was a ton of wind um which I think you know in my opinion does help Nadal out with his bounces. I know I said a lot there. Alex, is this what you were expecting from this match? I feel like before we can even talk about the match, we do have to preface with the conditions. You said they were favorable to Nadal. 
I, no, I, I agree with you. I'm saying I don't, I don't know if that's I, I don't know if that's true or false. I will say this. It was you, it was visible. You know, it started with the women's semifinals earlier, continued on to the men's semifinals. That wind was swirling. You could tell all of these guys you had to take an extra two, three steps. And sometimes there would still be a funky bounce at the end and you'd end up reaching for the ball. And it's just that much harder uh, to just be in a, in a proper position. And that definitely took an effect on Roger Federer, who needed to play attacking tennis. Now, it's hard to do that when you have to adjust two, three extra steps every shot you're hitting. The other thing I would add uh, in particular in terms of the I, I don't even know if this was the effects of the weather, but we talked extensively last night uh, when previewing this match about how physical it has to be for Roger Federer. He has to be willing to take backhands up the line if he's not able to run around his forehand. And I just thought, you know, he wasn't able to run his rounds. His, I mean, this is obvious. He's not, it's not 2011 Roger Federer, and you shouldn't expect that out of someone eight years later who's, what, 37 now? Uh, but he wasn't able to run around his backhand as often. That left sitting floaters in the center of the court for Nadal. And when you give him a floater, he is going to hit a forehand no matter what. And that's why I say the conditions favor him because regardless of the wind, and it's not that Roger Federer can't hit through the court, but Rafa Nadal always hits through the court. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I, I will agree with you that he can't run around the backhand as much as he would have liked. But I, the reason that I, I do say that the wind favored Nadal is you saw Nadal's out wide forehands just really carry that way. It looked like the wind just kept pushing it and pushing it, making it even harder, like you said, for Fed to run around the backhand and get aggressive. I mean, to be honest, though, and, and Federer... Can I just say, I don't know how that's disagreeing. I think I agree with you. I'm saying Rafa's ball is so heavy that, yeah, it hit through the wind. It didn't matter. When he attacked, when he went for a passing shot down the line, I feel like Federer felt the need to force his way, you know, moving forward, not allow the points to get long and physical. And you look at the stats, it goes 17 of 35 at the net. You know, he would leave floating approach shots. And for Rafa, his passing shot isn't affected, as you mentioned, because he hits through the wind no matter what. Uh, yes, uh, uh, you're right. I, I I wasn't disagreeing with you. It, you. It's funny that you bring up the net the net point thing too, because I felt like in this match, I think the thing that I'm always so impressed with with Federer is when he's at the net, especially when he follows in drop shots. He sees so well on the other side of the court where the player is going, and I felt like so many times we saw him hit a drop shot, come in, and he put that next volley right back to Nadal. And I don't know if that's more Nadal reading what Fed's going to do, but I just felt like he missed some of those opportunities. There was there was a, a volley that he hit, I want to say, in the beginning of the third set, and it, he put it, Nadal basically just stood still. Fed put it right back to him, and he passed him down the line. And uh, So I, I think, you know, Federer said in his post-match interview that it was, you know, especially in the first two sets, he didn't think he played bad tennis. He thought it was a passing shot here, you know, uh, a good shot from Nadal there. I, I mean, I, I would agree, but I think there were, certain opportunities that Fed did miss. I, I want to say that he wasn't necessarily at, at peak form uh, in this match. I think the reason we've seen Rafa Nadal, you know, have so much success against Roger on clay, obviously the thing Rafa does best, pepper that backhand corner, it forces you with a one-handed backhand into such uncomfortable positions. And for Roger today, 
just too many high backhand slices. And I know his backhand slice may be the best, if not the best backhand slice ever. And that's not to say it's not an effective shot the way he uses it, but it's not an effective shot against Rafa because if you slice the ball, if you give him time, he's running around the forehand and the way he's willing to go inside in, inside out, cross court, and particularly take backhands down the line shamelessly and just keep going to your backhand uh, corner, daring you to give him an on-the-run forehand, you have to be confident. You have to hit through the court. And yeah, Roger, 25 winners against 34 unforced errors, regardless of the conditions. He just didn't play well enough to beat the Titan that is Rafa Nadal to punch open. Yeah. And we talked also, you know, to talk more about the things that we needed to see from Federer. We talked before this saying that his serve needed to be on. He served 59%, which is not where you need to be to, to beat Nadal. Nadal served 81% on his first serves. And, you know, it, it showed that Federer was pushed back a lot on his serve. Nadal was being aggressive, and that was something that helped him a lot. And, you know, at the end of the day, I looking back on the odds, minus, you know, 800 for Nadal and plus 500 for Fed seemed crazy, but after watching the match, I, I think I can understand where the odds makers were coming from. You know, I think something I just, I felt like I had to bring up, we saw Fed get a ball abuse warning. That like that never happens. <laughs> well, Fed hasn't played the clay in so long, and I think the big takeaway for him, successful clay season for him for sure. He made the semifinals of the French Open. His career now, obviously, he's done everything you can ask. I think he's a couple titles shorts of Jimmy Connor, so he's probably going to keep going yeah. for that. Play some, you know, five hundred level events. Obviously, the Masters, but this is a successful tournament for him and it's it, it you know yes he gets frustrated because obviously he knows how few of these chances he'll have left but it's not his fault that you know the per, the lefty built to beat him on clay is still also playing at such a high level it's just a credit to rafa exactly and, and federer even said you know this is a, a small victory for him was just getting through the clay court without getting injured and uh, i i can agree with that you know he can feel confident going into wimbledon and into the grass court season um i mean look nadal also i mean just true sportsmanship between these two guys and all calling him you know the, the greatest in history and, and a lot of praise for him and same with fed a lot of praise for nadal so always always a classy match um any final thoughts before we move on I think it's hilarious that you picked Federer last night, and I feel so good about picking Rafa Nadal. You only picked him because I picked Fed, so I'm not. And I don't I've never been more thankful. Yeah, I don't want to hear any of it. Former doubles partner. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's really quickly, uh, you know, knowing you as a, as my former doubles partner, I do know your tendencies, uh, and and I know that. <laughs> This is not something that you necessarily want to talk about, but people are talking about it, especially on your favorite tennis Twitter. Uh, the the Djokovic team rain fiasco. Um, look, the, I I have some thoughts. I kind of I kind of want you to get your your first you know instinct out on on this. Um, what? So there there's a rain delay. They're stopped now at three one in the third set. Djokovic. Seemingly started to walk off the court with his stuff uh, before. I mean, team was on the baseline. He hadn't even left the court yet. Um, it seemed kind of like Djokovic was leaving. Apparently, he was notified beforehand that it, you know, it was time, but there it didn't quite seem that way. Uh, Alex, <laughs> just tell me what you're thinking. No, this topic is all you because I'm. I, we will talk about the tennis in a little bit, and I have a lot of thoughts on that. 
it was cold. It was rainy. It was not a fun day to play tennis. You could see that in Novak Djokovic's body language. Obviously, the conditions were not fun to be in. But that being said, I cannot care less about this. Yeah, they delayed it. So what? Like, I, I whatever. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Get lights. I feel like every Grand Slam should have some sort of court with a roof at this point because why not? Beyond that, you know, they can afford it. We see these prize money keeps going up and up and up. But beyond that, I have no thoughts on this topic. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, I think you can't ignore the fact that Djokovic started to walk off early. And, you know, obviously he was down a break. Uh, it clearly is in his favor to, you know, just get out of there and, and you know, get a little bit of a break. Uh, I think the, the more annoying part is that, I mean, obviously we are not there, uh, but plenty of people are complaining that the courts were dry and they weren't going back out because they felt that they weren't going to finish the match. I think that's just ridiculous that they didn't put them back out. Let them keep playing as long as they can. Um, it, who knows? Maybe maybe team wins that set handily and, and wins the fourth quickly and then they're done and, uh, and then we're not you know, having these two guys play the day before one of them has to play in the final. So I, th- I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Uh, you know, also one more quick little, you know, potential debate. Uh, people are saying, why doesn't the French just get, you know, a roof and, and make it so that they can play no matter what the, the conditions are. Uh, and some people are saying that's absurd. This is an outdoor sport and it should stay that way. Um, do you have a comment on that or do you, or are you just ready to talk about the women? <laughs> no, it's the same thing we talk about with all of the slams. You play a match outdoors unless it becomes impossible to do that. And then if you have a roof, you have that option as opposed to not doing but anything. So, like so I, I should agree, Roland get Garros a get a roof? Okay, cool. No, they uh, should get lights first. And then once they're like, oh, <laughs> we can play at night, we probably need a roof how, in case it rains. How funny would that be, though, if they got the roof without the lights? And you're just playing it in dark. Say, sorry, it's dark in here. I mean, that would be, I feel like the two have to be, you know, related. Although Wimbledon has a roof and they still have the curfew. So who knows? That's true. That's true. All right. Well, I, we, do you want to talk about the tennis? Or do you want to save that for tomorrow when the match is over? Because we, we could talk about the first two sets. It was interesting. Yes. No, 100% we should Give talk about Give me your unfiltered, unfiltered thought on the first two sets of tennis. So same thing we talked about the conditions applies to this match. The difference in this match being how the players responded for Dominic team in the first set, it didn't matter. He was hitting through everything. It did the ball sit short. Perfect. That's an excuse for me to wail on it in the opposite direction. You know, the, if he, he was fine scampering around playing into the wind, playing high elevation balls, hitting deep slices into the backhand corner, you know, really working whichever direction the wind was going, going into that corner uh, forcing Djokovic to, you know, if Djokovic wanted to win the match in the early stages, he needed to find a way to get team out of the rhythm. And early on the first set, Djokovic didn't have any answers. Obviously, that 6-2 first set going so comfortably. Uh, then they hold serve in the second set. There was a bit of a rain delay, but they come back out. Both guys get a hold. And then Novak Djokovic sort of woke up. He started, you know, the conditions got very nasty, uh, but he really dedicated himself. He was putting every ball in the court. I believe there's a in the in the game that he broke. There's a point where he hit three forehand slices in a row, just kept getting it back deep into the Dominic team uh, towards the baseline to force team to be the aggressor because the conditions had 
had gotten to a point where just nothing was staying in team strike zone. It was harder for him to tee off. And we really got the full band. It was a lot of things we expected, right, Max? We said team would be the aggressor. We said it's really hard for Novak Djokovic to have a weapon to win three points against Dominic team because he is so adept at moving on the clay. And just it's really hard to put a ball past him because he stands so far behind the baseline. And I think Djokovic did have trouble doing that. The difference is he sort of outlasted the team storm in the second set got him to produce a few errors but now teams up a break and I, you know i think i said he i've said since the get-go he was going to win the tournament i stuck with that last night i feel plenty confident in that pick heading into day two yeah the thing that you know it's interesting in my head i go back and forth whether the wind is you know more of a, a negative for djokovic or team and kind of like you said with you know the the wind and, and all that taking the the ball out of the strike zone for team and not allowing him to you know really strike strike the ball in in his sweet spot and, and push Djokovic around the court the other thing though like you said you know Djokovic definitely got to his head a little bit the the weather and not being able for him as well to to hit the ball uh in his sweet spot so I want to say it's it's more of a disadvantage for team, uh, but I think it, it really has messed with Djokovic's mental game. Now, can I can I throw in one other thing? Speaking to that aspect of yeah. Djokovic just feeling the blues from the weather, you look at his net points. He's ten of twenty five, forty percent. I think Navratilova was call, uh, talking about this when she was on the call. Uh, he was forcing his way to the net. He was trying to end points because he was just physically done with them. He was done with the funky bounces. He was done tracking down these huge, you know, cross court, heavy topspin balls from Djokovic he, or from team. Djokovic was serving and volleying a little bit, trying to end points early and just. He wasn't finding a rhythm out there. Now, obviously, he was lucky to steal that second set from team who just kind of had one mental lapse of the service game. And that's, you know, Djokovic has one break point. He converts it, and that's how he gets the second set. But, again, I, I think all of the stats at this point, you know, team with seven break points, he's converted three, 61 total points to Djokovic's 51. He is in a position to win this match. And it's just, you know, regardless of what the conditions are tomorrow, can he maintain that focus to be aggressive you know on every point yeah I think looking forward to tomorrow I will say if it is bad conditions again I'm gonna give the advantage to Djokovic I think over the course of another you know potentially three sets I think he will find his rhythm enough that he can pull through I think if the the conditions you know are are relatively calm up you know up a break in the third and we said whoever took the first set, I know it, all, all, all of this is kind of uh, you know different now considering it's almost like a new match is starting. It's kind of like they're starting a best two out of three set match tomorrow, which I really don't like. Um, but this is an opportunity, I think, for, <clears throat> for team to go out there and do what we said he would do and, and really push Djokovic around the court. Um, one of the, the interesting things that, that I looked up before this podcast – ATP uh, Bovada lines. What what do you think they have? You know, looking into tomorrow for the lines, uh, the money line for Djokovic and team. Djokovic minus one fifty. Hilarious. Team minus one forty five. Djokovic is plus one twenty. Wow. So really, that that break in the third is really you know pushing people to believe that team is gonna you know win this one. And 
I would agree, but the the weather I think is going to be a huge factor for tomorrow. I just can't believe they're going to have to play four days in a row. Whoever wins this match, you right. have your fourth day of consecutive play. And, and that was my that was my whole thing about how ridiculous it was to not put them back on court. The court, I mean, I saw pictures. It looked very clearly yeah. dry, stupid. They they should each have an equal opportunity to rest before the finals and. I don't know. These guys are also elite athletes. It shouldn't really make a yeah. difference, but it is the finals, and, and I want everything to be you know as, as level of a playing field as possible. But we'll see. Uh, any any other thoughts on Djokovic's team before we, we move on to the women? I'm excited to watch it tomorrow. Hopefully they get the same treatment as the women did today, and they're put on an outer court because the women's final is the one that deserves that court. Uh, I, I'm with you there. The match does start at 11 a.m., uh, over there in Paris, so uh, make sure to tune in for that. But let's move on to the women because there was some fantastic tennis there. I think I want to start with the Anasimova match. It's funny calling it the Anasimova match. This is a match. Anasimova plays Ashley Barty, and this is a match that she loses. Why am I saying she loses? I should talk about the winner. Barty wins this match, 6-7, 6-3, 6-3. And this was a roller coaster of a match. Barty starts off the first set up 5-0. Somehow lets Anasimova back in, loses in a tiebreaker, and honestly, I, I really didn't see Barty, you know, coming back after that. That's, that's a hard thing mentally to come back from up five zero to lose a set, and goes down zero three in the second. And I and you know, seeing that, you're kind of like, all right, this match is over. I, I bet fans even started to leave at that point, and then a, a light switch turned on for Barty, and and I think kind of a, a weird mental game was going on with Anasimova, like, oh my god, I'm winning nine games in a row, and I'm about to reach a you know Grand Slam final, and then Barty wins six straight games to win the second set 6-3, and, and the, the third set, not as much of a roller coaster, I think only one break in that third set, oh, excuse me, uh, three, there were, there were three breaks in that third set, I, I, watched so many of these matches just wild such a roller coaster what what did you see that you know why did this happen why do you think Anasimova and, and Barty kept going back and forth do you think the the conditions affected them at all uh what did you see here I mean yes the condition well that was quite the monologue by the way I know. But the I, I'm condition... just, just taking after you a little bit there exactly but in the worst ways um yeah i i I agree with you i think obviously the conditions argument we talked about stands for these matches as well i think for ashley barty and pardons for the pun but she literally weathered the storm amanda nisimova (laughs) has so much firepower from both sides you know the forehand the backhand she can just take any ball early rip it either direction uh you know she'll throw in the drop shot now and then but for Ashley Barty, physically, she was clearly the older, more developed player in this match. Uh, she just kept tracking down Anisimova's balls. She also had enough firepower to where she could get Amanda Anisimova stretch. And I think, if anything, what this match showed me is that Amanda Anisimova still does have some physical characteristics of a 17-year-old. And that's not a criticism. That's just how life works. And it's just, again, we talked about this yesterday. Wait till she figures out, you know, oh, I can add, you know, how your body works i didn't figure out how to walk without falling until 21 so like she you know she'll figure it out i'm not worried about anything long term if anything the way she rallied back from that first set started swinging freely that was so encouraging 
But Ashley Barty has weapons. The serve is big. The forehand is big. She'll move forward when she senses the opportunity. She hung around enough, and I think you know she is. She deserves to be in this Grand Slam final. Yeah, that is for sure. Definitely deserving. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, a tough battle in the next round, and we will preview the final. But I think the things that she did well, mentally, of course, you have to give her a ton of credit there. The the slice for her, I think, is going to be really important uh, in the next match. I, I think she used it really effectively against Ana Samova. She moved in well. Uh, net points, she was only 13 of 21, which I don't think is reflective you know, of, of how well she played at the net. I do think you know, she, she chose her the right times, and, and Ana Samova played uh, some, some good passing, excuse me, passing shots. Nice, good shot, Max. Uh, passing shots there. Can but I overall, also say, real quick, second serve for Nisimova, 12 of 33, 36% for Ashley Barty. You know, she has 20 break points in this match, and she only converts eight of them. Now, Nisimova goes a, a much more efficient five of eight. But yeah, when Ashley Barty was able to play first strike tennis, Nisimova, I don't want to say there's no plan B because her plan A is that good, but the defense isn't where it will be, say, three years from now. Yeah, I think the the movement will get better. The like you said, I think just the defense overall will get better, and uh, that's going to make her that much more dangerous. But Alex, anything else before we talk about the the last semifinal? I am very much looking forward to the final because I we got our double dose medicine right. We get the uh, still young Ashley Barty, but more established player versus the young up and comer in Vondrasova. So I'm all about this final. Well, that's a great. Segue, thank you for helping me transition into that next match. This is a match that Vondrasova wins. After your monologue, I figured you'd like it. <laughs> yeah. 7 5, <laughs> 7 6 win for Vondrasova over Kanta. You know, I, I really, I, I'm sad because we said yesterday we wanted a seedless final. Uh, so we're, we're just missing that with Vondrasova getting the W here. Vondrasova played really, really solid tennis. I, I mean, the drop shots were there. The backhand was there. The slice was there. I, things were working for her. She served 68% on the first serve, winning 65% of those first serves. Solid win conversion on the second serve with 60%. 10 of 12 from the net. Four break points out of the nine that she had. You know, just really solid from her. Yeah, what do you think I, she, I, no, sorry. Uh, I completely agree with you. I thought... If anything, the diverse array of her shot selection was on display. And for our listeners, if you haven't gotten a chance to check her out, she's a lefty. Obviously, with that, you have the lefty forehand. and You have the slice out wide on the ad. It's how you open up space for yourself. For her, she sets up a nice lefty forehand as well. She'll hit the short angle. She'll hit the down the line. As you mentioned, her backhand, she's fine throwing in you know, slice, drop shots, whatever it is she wants to do. Just has a ton of tools. She at had her, a ton um, of drop shots. Shots. Yeah, and I think that was a testament to this was a beautiful contrast in styles. Kanta was, you know, she's a gunner. She's hitting through the ball. Her backhand, it's 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 kind of funny. She really like scrunches up and then just explodes into the ball. I mean, she had her streaks right where she was just hitting too big. I think she went up five two in the first set, and that was just her. You know, she was just it was too much for Bondersova to handle, but. Again, another poor pun. Vondrasova weathered the storm. She just kept making balls. She kept going deep cross court, deep down the line. Kanta, not the best mover, and Vondrasova kind of exposed that. And yeah, I mean, 
this I, she had success obviously at the junior level on the clay as well uh, in the junior slam but this is not surprising from her i think this is just the beginning for the young 19 year old yeah definitely I, look if she can play with that kind of variety tomorrow against barty it's going to be tough for barty to get a rhythm Alex, I, I kind of just want to get into the preview of this final. Anything else on these two before we, we talk about this final uh, match? Well, I kind of just want to say I really enjoyed Joe Conta in this one. She's got firepower. Just her backhand down the line. You know I love a good backhand down the line, and she's got it. I mean, she will she go She redirects the backhand so well. So well, right? And I completely agree with you, and especially because, you know, you're playing to a lefty. You're going to have to use that backhand down the line to keep them honest. I thought for her where she just went wrong, today, she kind of forced her way to the net in too many uncomfortable situations, particularly with the wind being how it was and what I was Nine so Nine of 24 from the net, it's tough. And it showed off Vondrasova's wide display of, you know, passing shots, right? She went line, short angle cross. She hit the lob a few times. She even baited Kanta with the drop shot, as you mentioned. It, like I said, I, we just got a little bit of everything in this match, and I, was, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But no, let's talk final. All right, let's do it. So this is going to be a Barty-Vondrasova matchup. These two have played twice in their career. The last time that they played... Uh, they played in the 2018 Cincinnati Masters, and this is a match. Barty wins 3-5. and five. Uh, Prior to that, they played on the grass in Birmingham in 2017. Again, another match that Barty won 5-6. and six. So pretty tight matches uh, the last two times they have played. Uh, you know, for, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think first time uh, Grand Slam finalist for both of them. You know, Vondrasova being the young in that she is uh, really exciting for her, what do you think the keys are for for her in this match? As you know, one with probably less experience uh, at the higher level to to take the W. Well, Ashley Barty, uh, Grand Slam doubles champion, so okay, not her first Grand Slam finals appearance, but yes, but it, but in it speaks to the fact that given the disparity in their level, uh, that is the sort of experience that sort of makes a difference, right? Because you look at it uh, from the Vondrasova angle. Yeah, you know, for the Junior Slams, she won two Junior Slam doubles titles. She made a third final, but that's not the same as making a pro singles Grand Slam final. Of course, it's a whole new ball game. So yeah, I guess Barty has the experience edge. You look at how they've both been playing. You could argue, you know, Vondrasova since Indian Wells has been maybe the more steady player. Barty didn't have the best play season, at least in singles. She loses second round at the Italian Open in Madrid. She did make the quarterfinals before losing 5-5 five and five to help. So I guess that's not too bad. But, you know, uh, for Vondrasova, steady quarterfinals. They both come in in great form. I would have to... I mean, I don't know. Barty's got the weapons, right? Her serve, her forehand are probably the two biggest shots on the court. But we saw today, if it's the windy and the conditions are anything like they were, uh, you know, coming into today, I think that, you know, junk ball, Vondrasova's happy to do that. She'll work angles. She'll work slices. She'll keep you uncomfortable. So it's going to be a fascinating match. It it really is. And I, I... I don't feel like I have too many additional points because you you went on one of your classic monologues and uh, you really kind of broke it down correctly. Look, it's tough. I want to say the variety that Vondrasova has is really going to throw off Barty and and not let her get into a rhythm. Um, I also, I'm curious, I mean, Barty did win the last two matchups, but 
I want to say the the lefty spin is going to be something that can, I don't think Barty's played a lefty in the French this this tournament. Am I wrong? I, I think this is her first yeah. lefty matchup. And here's my other concern is for Vondrasova today, she goes 14 of 23 on second serve points, but you see that second serve. Yes, it's a different spin coming from a lefty, but it's 76 miles per hour on average in her match against Conta. It's sat up there. And yes, Joe Conta punishes the ball, but Ashley Barty is in the final for a reason. Her forehand and her is return. probably a bet. Yeah, Barty it's just, return. you know, with exactly is a better weapon than Conta's. So she's going to create more opportunities to dictate. You just wonder for Vondrasova. She's a little bit fresher than Barty, who I believe is also playing what now her third day in a row. Uh, so that's a ton of tennis. But it's just, I mean, there's going to be nerves on both sides. We saw today from Barty, she goes up 5-0 then to lose, what was it, uh, nine out of the next 10 games and come back and win the match. It's, I can't imagine up, an up or down better or you know more variance than that in the final. I'm probably leaning Barty in three, and I imagine Bavada's looking the same way, but it would not shock me if Andrusova wins this match. And I like to think three uh, – but I could see a Barty blowout. I don't think there's any way Vondrasova wins in straights. I guess no. Vondrasova could get nervous. But I'm probably leaning Barty three sets as the most uh, plausible scenario. Well, you have the betting odds right. Barty is minus 165 to Vondrasova, yeah. plus 135, over and under 22 games. So, you know, could be a Ooh. tight two-setter, six and five type deal. And, and you know, you're... That's a bet on three sets, right? Uh, no. that's you're saying it's going three sets so that's why i'd take that bet well if you yeah i mean assuming if you assume that they're gonna go three easily take the over at you know at even um so honestly not, not that's the, the bet there I, I wouldn't pick a winner i'd take the over there yeah I, I don't mind that over bet but this is gonna be some fun tennis to watch uh, like like we said, I know, I know it's you know not her first final, considering she was in a doubles final, but first singles final for these two, uh, it's going to be exciting tennis, and, and everyone should be tuning in to that. Alex, any last thoughts? Shout out to Mike Cation, who Little Rock again, rain delays, yeah. humid, muggy, <clears throat> southern Arkansas weather in June. Uh, they went indoors, no live stream available, but Mike, being the stand-up guy he is, is tweeting live updates from all the matches, videos, interviews with the players from that occasion, and I obviously appreciate any update I can get, so shout out to him. Shout out to you, Maxie. I hope you're enjoying your East Coast stay. Thank you for doing this with me. Uh, yeah, other than that, it's going to be a fun weekend. I imagine we'll shoot out something tomorrow post-Team Djokovic, maybe do a little finals preview as well. Yeah, I think we'll have time for that. And I didn't want to let you f- leave this podcast without giving us just a quick 60-second take on your lessons that you learned from Sarasota and your tennis game because I know we, we didn't get to you last time. Should we get West off to start the clock? Yeah, Westhoff, why don't you do that? Start the clock. All right, this isn't going to be 60 seconds, but I'll try and limit it to two minutes. So what I learned about myself, A, it's true that athletes reach their physical primes 23 through 26. It's amazing because I'm not to brag, but, you know, I work out a little bit. Um, and I am actually not in nearly as bad of movement and tennis shape as I thought I'd be now. Maybe that's because Amar does not hit the ball hard at all. But I tracked down everything from him uh, playing against Zach Gross, who does hit the ball big. I was tracking his stuff down once I got in my rhythm. I mean – 
it's true that you reach your physical prime as you get older. So that's a myth or that I always thought that was a myth. I figured how could anyone be in better shape than an 18 year old? And I realized, nope, you, you can be, you can actually figure out how your body works. So that's take number one. Take number two, that being said, my body is not ready for tennis. My upper body in particular, I played with a Wilson, uh, the black and green one, which is way heavier than my Prince Graphite. My forearms are I feel it. I, it's a week later. I still feel it. I feel like I can't hold things without getting the shakes. My blisters haven't healed. My hands were broken. I schwitz like Kaiser. It was unbelievable just some of the things I experienced out there. I lost confidence in the backhand because I couldn't hold the racket, which has never happened. It was like a betrayal of my confidence. But my forehand was better than it ever is. And I feel like I was literally thinking in my head, no, this is how Dominic team would run around it. And maybe it's because we've watched so much tennis that this stuff has started to be helpful. Uh, but third and most importantly, I would beat your ass. Give me three days to get my hands accustomed to everything, and I still got you. Well, I, I keep saying this over and over to you, and, and it doesn't get through your thick skull, but I have been playing two to three times a day, and um, you know my game has definitely elevated considering our last score, and I'll, and I'll keep bringing it up till the day that I die and that we play another set. Um, I promise you that that is not the case and that my game has – uh, changed. I am more consistent than you probably remember. And I can't wait until we film this and put it on cracked rackets. Cause it's going to be amazing to, to well, see you lose on video. Part of my take. It's like little rock. I get it. It must've sucked to play back to back days. I was dead on Saturday and you know, in Orlando, same thing for the NCAA, same weather. I, you know, we're in Sarasota, it's Florida. It's 95 at noon and you're playing outside and you're like, Oh, I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I need three wristbands. My hands are breaking. There are bugs everywhere. I mean, I totally get it. And I, it just reminded me, though, how great the sport of tennis is to go out there and play. It's really on your own merit. I talked so much this weekend. Oh, my God. Could I, I was talking and talking and talking because I just haven't Shocker. talked in a while. And, yeah, it was great. Poor Blake, though. He was probably – I mean, Amar's Amar, but Blake was the LVP. His hands just – he was a DNP injury. Well, I, that doesn't surprise me, but look, none of our fans know who these guys are and and we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to bore them with with those guys. We do appreciate your takes otherwise. Well, <laughs> other plug is that Wilson green racket, very good. I'm in on that. That gee, I've always said that if you were to get a new racket, that had to be the racket. I think it is the one for me. Should we get Wilson as a sponsor someday and, you know, there are plans in the works, but that's a little <laughs> tease for you listeners. Um yeah, I, the first thing I'm going to do is send me a blade and you own me. I'm done with Prince. <laughs> but I'm not done with you yet, Prince, if you, you know if this is the place for you. Yeah, we, we, we love all tennis racket spons- potential sponsors. We, we love you all. Uh, but I told Alex – We also but- did – sorry, last one. I swear last one. <laughs> Guess how many loads of laundry we did on the weekend. We were there. We oh, played wow. Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning. Probably two. Really? We did eight. Well, that's embarrassing. Because you come, no, because you come off the court and you're like, get this off of me immediately. Okay, and well, you just throw them in and then pluck the towels and all these things. It was unbelievable. Well, good thing we're not an environmentally conscious uh, podcast here because everyone <laughs> would be drilling you for, I'm for sorry. that. For that my counter is, you know, what's horrible for the environment is my stink just festering in like a laundry basket for over a day. So you, actually I would you say actually it was contribute a net greenhouse gases to our atmosphere with your stink. I, if, with each individual fart. <laughs> <laughs> worse, <laughs> than ca- worse than cow farts. 
Well, it's not. Uh, I, there's a greenhouse joke there, but my mother. I know the, the pot, methane, so the cow. Oh uh, well, yeah. Let's let's not. I told I told you before this we were gonna keep it under thirty minutes. We're now at thirty eight minutes, so I'm gonna. I'm not gonna bad. Just, Honestly, not though, too not bad. Too bad. I'm gonna bad. I'm gonna stop us here. Alex, thank you for taking the time on your Friday evening. And, of course, we have to thank our super producers, Max Fleener and Daniel Westhoff, who, of course, have a f- job to do, as always, editing these podcasts. Uh, but Quick plug, CrackedRackets.com, Mini Break, Great Shot Podcast, Cracked oh, Interviews Podcast, Twitter, Facebook. I, I was going to let the listeners get away with one podcast where we don't plug everything. But, yeah, go go check it all out. We're, we're almost at the end of our French Open coverage, and we will get into the Challenger circuit and the grass court season as soon as this is all done. But I'm going to close this out here from the entire team at Cracked Rackets, from you, my lovely co-host and doubles partner. Yes, you are my current doubles partner, not my former. <laughs> don't worry. Alexander Scott Gruskin. I am your host, Max Rothman. And, Alex, what do we say? That's the break. That that is the break. We'll see you all tomorrow for our final... (laughs) 